0: more today. Um, How do you know that you're a Christian? How do you know if someone's a Christian? Well, one of the ways you can tell is whether they love their brothers and their sisters in Jesus. Uh, If you've got your Bibles or up on the screen, uh, 1 John chapter 3 verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. So this is nothing new. This is, if you want, the sermon that you've heard every week of your life and that you need to hear every week of your life if you're anything like me. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Well, because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother, that's Abel, had been doing what was righteous. And, And so you shouldn't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we've passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Let's just pause there. Show of hands. Who here has loved their Christian brothers and sisters? Who here has loved currently loves all of your Christian brothers and sisters? Still you guys are good. Uh, Check your pulses because I think eternity might have arrived. A person who has no love is still dead. Anyone, oh, this is going to make your maybe show of hands a little bit different. Anyone who hates another brother or sister, anyone ever? Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and he sees a brother or sister in need, but he shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Feeling more comfortable? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. This is one of my favorite verses. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and He knows everything. Dear friends... If we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. And this is His commandment. We must believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with Him and He with them, and we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gave us lives in us. Isn't it irritating if you're walking with a cup of tea and you're walking and you're walking and you're walking and as you're passing Graham, he gets up and jogs my hand and the tea goes everywhere. <laughs> but you know what? Forget the cup of tea. Isn't it irritating when somebody jogs your emotions? Even if you're doing the right thing, perhaps if you're doing the wrong thing and somebody you see somebody doing the right thing, and you get your guilt on, and then, oh, lo and betide, you will wrath out at them. John's been considering, uh, as I've said, what it means to live a life in fellowship with God. Remember, fellowship is unity. It's that, that intimate bond. It's, it's kind of like partnership, like business partners, but, but it's deeper than that. It's a, it's a family partnership. Uh, And John's been saying, um, if we claim to be in this fellowship, this partnership, this unity with God, what difference does that make in your life? How does it affect, in this passage, your relationships with people here on this planet? Uh, John reminds us very clearly, and he said it a few times, and he'll say it again, uh, the call upon each and every Christian is to love one another. And when John speaks about love, he he is more than just. Love you, John. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Graham. Love you, Ria. Yeah. That's just words. It, a friendly handshake. It's fantastic, but but John means something deeper. John John speaks when he speaks about love. He speaks about a love that comes from God, a love that is other, that is different from anything in this world, a, a love that reflects God's love for us, uh, who loved us while we were yet in opposition to Him. And, and he begins, rather strangely, his, his topic of how we should love one another by going back to a story in Genesis chapter 4, the story of Cain and Abel. Now, everyone knows the story, but, but maybe not, so I'm going to tell you the story again. Remember these, these two boys, um, Cain and Abel. Uh, Abel uh, is the, uh, the able-bodied man. So, well, they're both able-bodied, but Abel's the one who works with the livestock and the sheep. Uh, Cain, he decides he wants to be a farmer with plants, and, and, and he, he takes stuff from the ground, things like that. Um, children of uh, Adam and Eve, they, they, they come to a point in their lives when they realize that they want to worship God. They want to honor God. They want to bring their presence into the presence of God. And they're clued up enough to know um, that, that God is holy and that people are not, that people live in rebellion against God. They know that the only way to come to God is by recognizing that God is different from us and that we deserve punishment, that we dare not stand in His presence. They realize the only way to even dare to come before God is to, to sacrifice, to say, God, I realize I have no right to be with you. Ultimately, that all comes to Jesus, who, who sacrifices Himself, takes our punishment for us. But, but they, at this stage, just know that, that a, a price has to be paid. And so Abel slaughters the best of his flocks, and he brings it as a sacrifice to God, Abel, uh, well, God accepts Abel's, did I say Cain or Abel? I get those two confused. God accepts Abel's sacrifice of his flocks. Cain, meanwhile, picks some stuff and just puts it down and God says, I'm not accepting this. Abel gets a bit angry and he gets a bit discouraged. Cain, oh, those two are irritating. Cain gets very angry. Cain looks very dejected, and, and, and God tells him, I don't know how God tells him, but the Bible says God says to him, Cain, mate, maybe not mate, but Cain, do the right thing, and you'll be accepted. And I love that because God doesn't say to Cain, Cain, you've done the wrong thing. Stand back because I'm going to smite the life out of you. God looks at him and says, Cain, you've done the wrong thing. You don't seem to realize the gravity of who I am and who you are and what it costs and, and the price that your rebellion and your sin is going to cost. You don't get it. But do the right thing. Realize it. Come to me realizing how, how utterly Desperately in in need of help you are, and and I will accept you. And he says to Cain, Cain, be careful. Sin is crouching at your door. It, 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 It wants to devour you. But Cain, you've got to master it. Cain, come on, don't give in to your sin. Do the right thing and I will accept you. Cain refuses to listen. Maybe he felt hard done by. Maybe he felt God's being stupid. I'm not that bad a person. I gave him some of my stuff. I've, I've done my bit. God must just sort of get his act together because like I've, I've given him some stuff. God, come on, you're not that special, God. I'm not going to give you the best, God, because I'm the best, God, I've given you some stuff. Just get your act together. This is a a battle of wills. This is Cain versus God. Cain wanted God to buckle. And it's difficult to force God to buckle because God's God. And so you know what happens when when even has anybody been in that situation where you know you've done the wrong thing, but you're just too stubborn to admit it and change? I see some very strong head shakes from two ladies over here. Um, I know I have, and you, you've you've dug yourself into a hole, but you just can't seem to put that spade down. And he wants to lash out at God because God, I've done enough, and so he lashes out at what's closest that do-gooder Abel. He's done nothing against Cain. He's just done what God wants. But Cain looks at him and says, this guy, if he hadn't done that, then God might have been happy with what I've done. I'm a good enough person. If you get rid of him, I'm the best person. God will have to accept me then. He lashes out. He kills his brother. What a wonderful way to start a sermon. Uplifting, encouraging, we should love one another, amen. It says, John, don't be like Cain. And, and John's, John's got no problem recognizing uh, where Cain's loyalties lie, ultimately. Genesis doesn't say so explicitly, but John looks at what Cain does, and he says, Cain belonged to the evil one. Cain obviously didn't desire God above anything else. God for Cain, he wasn't God. Cain wasn't driven by a desire to please God. And he certainly didn't end up loving his brother. He, He probably hated the fact that his brother Abel was accepted while he wasn't. He turned against his brother because, in his stubbornness, he wouldn't obey God and he wouldn't repent. God gave him a chance to change. And Cain said, No, why should I? What we do, says John, shows who we are. Cain was jealous of his brother's sacrifice being accepted. He was treating God as a sort of tick-the-boxes deity. The way he treated his brother showed that he didn't really love God. You know, there's all sorts of stories in the old days of, of um, people getting buried with a bell connected to their coffin. <clears throat> You can get services these days uh, with cameras looking into the coffin. People, a lot of people, are deathly afraid of being buried alive. Fortunately, it doesn't happen very often because we've got some fantastic ways of saying if you're alive or not. For instance, if you put your finger right about there, if you've got a pulse, you're probably alive. If you hold your hand in front of your mouth, give it a try, give it a try. Breathe in and out. If you feel the air moving, you're prob- if you don't feel air moving, put your hand up now. <laughs> you're probably alive. Um, if you connect electrodes to your brain and there's electrical activity, you're probably alive. That, that one's not so good because you can put electrodes on, you know, airplane jelly and it'll give you electrical signals. So... But still, there's some ways to tell if someone's alive. And spiritually, says John, there's some ways to tell as well. And the big one is this, do we love our Christian brothers and sisters? Do we love them at the very least because we love God and want to please God? Without love, says John, we are still dead. We don't have the new life from God in us. Love, if you will, is the heartbeat of a Christian. A lot of us suffer from arrhythmia. The Bible's pretty clear about commanding us to love. A show of hands, who's committed murder? No one? You've killed a few flies. I'm talking about who here has has murdered a human being? Yeah. By thoughts. You see, this is what John says. Cain literally killed his brother Abel. But John says, I want to go further, and in fact, John goes back to what Jesus said in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, you've heard it said, that if you murder someone, you're liable for judgment. But I say to you, if you even look at your brother and, 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 and you're angry with him, you're subject to judgment. And if you say, you fool, you idiot, you're liable to judgment. You see, Cain committed murder, but... But there are more than one way to murder someone. God doesn't just want us to look good, He wants us to be like Him from the inside out. He wants our instinct to be to love, not to hate. Our attitudes and our motivations matter to God just as much as our actions. But and, and here's what John's getting at. Our actions betray our inner thoughts. If I really don't like Eric, I, I like Eric, by the way, but if I really don't like Eric, I will show it in lots of small ways. I won't go and speak to him when, when he's lonely. Uh, if there's a crowd... I'll go and stand next to someone else and, and I might just sort of peremptorily say hello, Eric, and then I'll speak, turn my back on him a little bit and speak to someone else. Or if I see two people in need and one of them's Eric, then I'll help the other person. Our actions show what's happening inside of us. And they do it without us even realising it. We we leak. What we are inside leaks out. And says John and says Jesus, when I hate someone, I have already committed murder against them in my heart. To hate someone is to desire their death. The new life of God brings love. Hatred brings death. Yeah you know, there's a little bit of Cain in each and every one of us. Whether we're Christians or not. The battle will we obey God or will we obey our, our own desires our own will. If if we really love God if if we were captivated by his love for us then we would long to do what he wants and part of that is loving our brothers and sisters. You know, it's, it's only to be expected, as John points out here, that non-Christians will possibly react uh, against Christians. Not because we're standing there going, yeah, 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 God loves us and He hasn't accepted you. No, but because they've yet to come to the point of surrendering to God. It's, you, you know in the old days when there would be workers on strike? How those workers would react against the few who would still go to work. If you give in, then none of us have any chance. Perhaps we can be like Cain also in that we know something of God and we refuse to obey Him and, and we lash out at God and God's own when, when God refuses to play the I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine game. And... You know, the good news is there's forgiveness always, even for Cain, before he committed murder. And I would say even after he committed murder, there was an opportunity for forgiveness and redemption. But there's also the challenge of God not to let the sin crouching at our door master us. And not to react in anger, but to love. Our time's running short, but, but if you'll bear with me, I don't want to finish on Cain because... Cain's the example of what not to do. The example for us as followers of Jesus is Jesus. If if we want to see what real love is, we need look no further than our Lord Jesus, who, who gave up his life for us. Cain was driven by hatred and pride and stubbornness. When, when, when I hate someone, when, I, when I'm angry with someone, when I'm upset with someone, I, I am driven to put them down, to murder them, so that my status can be enhanced. But when we look at real love, real love sacrifices itself so that the other person's status can be enhanced. Jesus didn't deserve to die. He died Because He longed for us to have life. Because He valued us. And I think what John is saying to us here, if we live in fellowship with God, if we are united with God, if we are partners with God, if God lives in us, then we will have the same sort of approach to our lives. We will value our brothers and sisters so much that we would give anything to see their status, their condition improved. And and all that John's saying at this point is our brothers and sisters, Jesus loved rebels, enemies. And he says here, just love your brothers and sisters like this. It's impossible to be in a relationship with a loving God without being changed into a loving person. And as we said, it's more than just words. It's real love, acts. God didn't just Tut tut and say, Oh poor them, they're really struggling in their, you know, death and their rebellion and their sin. How sad. I hope you get better soon. That's not love. Love says how terrible I'm gonna act. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Love is driven to compassion and compassion is driven to action. And just as God in Jesus gave up his heavenly splendor for the sake of us, real Christian love gives up whatever it needs to give up for the other. Words can be so cheap. I love you all. Do you believe me? Would you believe me if if you had only just met me? I wouldn't. There's so many ways we can actually show love. and, And John here picks on... Financial need and money and things like that because you know, our hip pockets say a lot about where our priorities lie. It could be money, it could be time, it could be time that we want to spend by ourselves that instead we give up for someone else. It could be making a meal, it could be a note. It, it, it whatever it is, love does. If we have the love of God living in us, if we have Christ living in us, remember what I said, humans are leaky. What's inside leaks out. What's leaking from you and what's leaking from me? Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So what? Let's finish with the so what. A few weeks ago, John reminded us that Jesus is coming back very soon. It says, John, when we love one another, we will stand confidently before our God. Which brings up a problem for me because I haven't loved as I should, I have hated. I have murdered in my heart. I've been selfish with my wallet. I've been selfish with my time. I've been selfish with my emotions. I've seen people in need and I've driven on. There will come times in your life when self-recrimination and self-doubt drag at you. When you read things like this, where John says Christians love each other and Christians who love each other prove that they are in God, and you go, well, it's so often that I haven't. We don't love perfectly. Our hearts condemn us. for not loving God's people and for not loving God as we ought. But, and let me finish with this, but, says John, even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. God knows everything. You know, if you speak to someone who is depressed, quite often they will tell you how terrible their life is and how, how horrible things are. And there's, there's truth to it, but, but the picture they paint is very often darker than what reality is. Nobody likes me, they say to someone who's spending time with me. Spiritual depression, and this is maybe what John's talking about, these moments of when our heart condemns us, it's easy to assume on the basis of our feelings that our relationship to God doesn't match up with what John is describing. But, says John, our negative self-assessment Is very often normally tainted and untrue to reality. Yes, there's truth to it. We don't love God as we ought. But our fellowship with God doesn't depend on how much we love our brothers and sisters. That's putting the cart in front of the horse. Our fellowship with God results in our desiring to please Him and desiring to love His children. See, God, when our consciences condemn us, God overrides the verdict. He has forgiven us. You know what, we might say to ourselves, I have hated in this instance, and God says, yeah, you have. But like he said to Cain, he still says to us, if you do the right thing, you'll be accepted. In fact, you're already accepted, says God, because of what my son has done. Now, will you, will you love me? Will you love my children? Is that great story where Jesus is separating the people at the judgment and And he says to them, Welcome. I know you. I love you. You're mine. And and you fed me. And you've clothed me. And when I was naked, you gave me clothing. And when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And and when I was in need, you helped me out. And I love how the Christians respond to God. Because they respond, verse 19, 20, they respond saying, When did we do that, God? We're not as loving as you say we are. And God says, yet when you did it to the least, you did it to me. Jesus knows us, and, and if He lives in us, we leak. As Christians, we are called to do two things to trust in Jesus, to trust in His love, and to love one another. Our motto for the church, loving God, loving people. And the order is important because we first trust God, we trust in His love that has rescued us, and out of that we love. We love others because the love of God is inside us. When we love each other, it doesn't make us right with God. Let me say that again: When we love each other, it doesn't make us right with God. If you leave here this morning thinking I've got to try harder to love uh, the people in the church and the Christians I know because because that's what Christians do, and because God will be happier with me if I love each other, if you leave thinking that you've missed the point. Loving each other doesn't make us right with God. Being right with God makes us love one another. And that's why John says love one another, because he says you are right with God. So live what you are. Don't just leak. Leak extravagantly. Leak extravagantly. We're going to close with a song of dedication. Take my life, Lord, and let it be consecrated, given over to the praise and worship of you. Take my moments and my days. Whatever I do, may you be glorified. May you be praised. Take my wealth. Take my time. Take my energy. Take my love. Let me pour it out because you are my God. Let's stand, let's sing, and then let's go out and we'll, we'll go straight to morning tea.